0: Hello, everyone. Uh, This is Luke John-Louis, the host of the Deep Voice Man Show. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. Uh, We have a treat in store for you guys. Our our guest is Maya Haradet, and she is an award-winning small business coach and speaker, and she helps smart entrepreneurs uncover what they don't know that they don't know about running a successful business. And She has spoken to over uh, 10,000 students and she's traveled the USA extensively, partnering with different firms and organizations. And she's been featured in the New York Times and has been mentioned in BlackEnterprise.com, Inc.com, YFS Magazine, and Fox Small Business. And she is the proud recipient of the New York City Small Business Award uh given to her by then mayor Michael Bloomberg. And she has a bachelor's from Columbia University and has also studied at uh uh Baruch College. So um you know my younger sister went to Columbia so that place has a special heart to me and I, I graduated from uh Baruch College with my MBA. So you're a fellow alum uh <laughs> just want you to know. And um, so, uh, thank you for coming on the on the show as a guest. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate to have you here. You're a very busy woman, and you were able to carve out some time in your packed schedule to sit down and have a chat with us. So thank of you course. so much. thank you for the invite. You got it. And I'm honored to have you as a guest. I guess to start off, can you talk to us about your background and how you first gravitated towards doing what you do today? Certainly. So
1: I, I feel that I was able to start my business when I was actually my first business when I was a teenager. I had no idea what the word entrepreneur meant at the time, uh, but just knew that what people were telling me about being able to, you know, work a job and how much that you could get paid. And I'm like, no, like there should be no limits on (laughs) the amount of money I earn. Like, There has to be a better way about it. And so over the years, I really just dove into that, that idea of being an entrepreneur, made a ton of mistakes along the way. And then um, over time created the business that I currently have right now. So I lead workshops on the entrepreneurial mindset. I work with different companies, different nonprofits, different companies that are looking to have their employees learn how to embrace being more entrepreneurial. And then I also do a lot of work one on one and through group coaching to work with current entrepreneurs, especially women and ethnic minorities or the underrepresented, to be able to really, really lean into their entrepreneurship skills and how they can grow their businesses.
0: Wonderful. That's amazing. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, and thank you for sharing uh, about your background. You So you started your first business when you were a teenager. Uh, I, I did, yes. That's incredible. and i imagine you know when i remember when i was a teenager i was i was not thinking about starting any businesses at all so (laughs) you're much better than me uh on that front and you you mentioned that uh you made a you made a ton of mistakes right (laughs) uh that's not i guess that's not uncommon because um i was actually talking to another gentleman um and he, he was an entrepreneur like yourself he had he started his first business when he was nine he told me uh, and he was an immigrant from Zimbabwe, he said that, that there's no such thing as failure, just learning experiences, and, uh, that kind of hit home with me, uh, so, <laughs> so, um, obviously you don't really fail unless you, you know, you get knocked down and you, and you refuse to get back up, but that wasn't the case here with you, uh, I'm guessing from the mistakes you made, you learned from them, and whatnot, and, um,
2: yeah, well, I and, and
1: totally. I mean, so this is the thing, right? I, I, even right now, am really one of a few entrepreneurs in my family. Um, Happily, I can say that within my friend circle now, I have a ton of people who are entrepreneurs that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but growing up, I grew up in a pretty traditional family where my mom was a nurse, um, and a lot of my friends and family members that I knew growing up, they worked in what I would say would be traditional nine-to-five jobs. And so this idea of, you know, you going out and marketing your business you going out and saying you even had a business and how the finances work and mm. how do you actually sell how do you people taxes and, and you know growth projections and all of the things that come into that mm. there to be very honest there really weren't that many people that knew of that and knew how to do that so i don't think that person that's the first in their family i don't think you can do it without making mistakes And even now, you know, since I have learned a lot, I'm still crystal clear there's so much more to learn. And I tell, you know, my coaching clients, I tell people at my events all the time, mistakes as an entrepreneur is a good thing. Hmm. Because it means you're testing ideas, it means you're trying ideas. And ironically, probably some of the best results you're going to get are only going to happen when you're willing to take those risks and make those types of tests, right? Mm. Because it's exactly like you get learning experiences from it. So, you know, there's painful ones, that's for sure. And, you know, you don't like them and you try to avoid them if right. possible. Um, But, you know, I, I launched, for example, last year, I launched my first group coaching program last year, and I've been getting such phenomenal results with mm. it. I never would have been able to do that if I hadn't had a bunch of mistakes and a bunch of, you know, fall down moments Mm. the years prior to that and so that's all it is really I think it's just leveraging whatever happens to then find okay so what's the win that I can figure out out of this
0: right and that's amazing and it's interesting how you had that entrepreneurial mindset at such a young age like you you looked at this kind of nine-to-five world and you you questioned it this idea of trading time for money and whatnot and it's interesting how it, you know you, you figured it all out at that at a young age, and you're teaching others how to have that entrepreneurial mindset because you were the people around you were doing the nine to five thing, and they didn't realize or maybe they didn't maybe know about the other alternatives out there of being an entrepreneur and whatnot and and how you know there's a limit to you know when it comes to trading time for money you mentioned that obviously if even if you're a highly paid doctor there's only so many patients you can see right so there's still a cap and with an entrepreneur you like the idea of there being no limit um, which is amazing and so (laughs) yeah no
1: no totally totally so I had a I did have one of my well, actually, it was my first job um, when I was in high school. I worked at a fast food restaurant, um, and I battled with my mom about that because she really didn't want me to necessarily do that type of work. Right? Mm-hmm. I will be forever grateful for having that exposure because I was working as a high school student, where you know whatever money I earned was my own. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I could kind of do whatever for the most part I wanted to with it. And then I was working in an environment with a lot of people who this was their living. Mm-hmm was how their family was kind of making things happen and you know I definitely did not grow up rich at all I mean I'm from a single parent household my mom was a nurse right like Mm. so I'm not I'm not adjusted to like wealth in that regards Mm. but it I think it opened up my eyes in a huge way about what you have to think differently I think about opportunity and it's not a knock at all for people in the nine-to-five I've worked nine-to-fives it's Please, are you kidding me? There's a lot of skills you can learn from doing it. Mm. But I do think that there is a need to also then be able to then, once you see what you can do, what's available and what's there, what are your talents also calling you to do? Mm -hmm. And I love this concept right now of people doing side hustles while they're still working in their full-time job. And I think that that's all it really was to me, is that, you know, in high school I saw what people were doing and said, mm, let me test a few things out, and just experimented with those types of things, akin to what a side hustle is today, mm. until I then figured out, okay, no, I can actually earn money from this. Like, this is, this is powerful. Like, maybe mm. I want to teach others how to do it also. And so it mm. just, I think one thing led to the next in that regard.
0: Wonderful. And... So you know, so being in that fast food place, you kind of saw how a lot of people working hard. But you know, it's interesting how so many people work in the fast food industry, and that is their living, and they have kids and whatnot, uh-huh. and you know, and it's it's and, and it's not a high wage, but they make it work, so to speak. Of course. Yeah.
1: And I tip my hat to all those that do because I think the other part of it, too, is is that those nine-to-five jobs, they provide you with the training, right, of how to – of the skills then that can you also can leverage within your business. So, you know, I will look back to that first fast-food job as, you know, one of the, you know, groundbreaking laying the foundation for how to be a manager, how to lead others within my company – because they gave me the framework. They showed me kind of what the system was and kind of how you move from one level to the next, you know, the best ways to communicate with customers, communicate mm. with team members. So, you know, all of these things, you can really pull them in together, even if right now you're not doing it, you're not running your business full time, or mm. even if you are, I think it's you just finding a way to package up all of the things that you've learned and then use that to then be able to figure out the way to up level in terms of your business.
0: Wow. Um, that's amazing and you know because so many people do that they have a job and they have a side hustle um, so there's no, nothing wrong with having a job, so to speak if, yeah. it, if it helps you pay the bills as well exactly you know. um, so I'm, I'm curious now obviously um, you've helped a lot of folks you know you, you've taught people this entrepreneurial mindset mm-hmm. uh, which I think is amazing and I'm curious obviously we got hit with a sucker punch you know what the yes. pandemic <laughs> yeah um i'm curious how would you describe the current state of business and entrepreneurialism and what challenges has the pandemic posed if any
1: sure so i mean it, that's a big one i think um there clearly there have been industries that have really been hit extremely hard um and my heart goes out to actually all small business owners because i know that it. Even if you are in a, a growth mode right now, it's it's a really tough growth mode because we're literally creating the, the framework as we speak because mm. so many things have been up-leveled. Um, I think it's going to take time for a lot of people to really how to navigate and find their footing but within that you know entrepreneurs understand that every time that there is you know a challenge that happens quote unquote you make a mistake or there's um, you know something going on that's really hard to deal with there's also opportunity Mm -hmm. and so I tip my hat off to all the people who had been investing years prior in their business you know making sure they wrapped up on their digital skills um, finding out new ways of running their businesses so last year I spoke at quite a few events last year, and one of the big themes that I was constantly speaking about was this idea of resilience, right? That it's not, we know we can't just lay down and just, you know, hope that a miracle happens, Right, but it's just leveraging the skills that you have and being willing to kind of work with a little bit of that uncertainty to create new business models. So, you know, one of the things that I've been blessed with as a speaker is that in the past, a hundred percent of my speaking was really in person. And well, clearly, you know,
0: <laughs> that's
3: right. what I'm
1: now. I have literally a studio that in my house that I would have never imagined of a few years ago of being able to use it as frequently as I do now. And so I think that, you know, there's a, there's going to be a lot of twists and turns and curves that happen, right? Like things that we can't predict, these black swan events that happen. Right. The best thing I think entrepreneurs can do, continue to keep up leveling what your skills are, right? Whether it's you, if you're the one that's the chief bottle washer and chief cook and or your team. Because that's another piece that I see as well too. That the companies that invested in their teams, they were able to shift a lot easier than those that had not. They just did things the same old way because it worked. And why, you know, why fix it? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you continue to keep up leveling your skills and then also continue to keep leaning into that entrepreneurial mindset, I don't see problems. I see opportunities.
0: Wow, I like it's that. It's hard
1: to find the opportunity. Right? Yeah, you got to dig. Yeah, um, but I think that that's really the secret to to the businesses that are doing okay and the businesses that are doing really well right now is they lead into that opportunity part.
0: That's amazing, and thank you so much for that. And I, you know, I, I speak with a lot of people. And you see this time and time again mm-hmm. that you know some the same type of business they were able to with the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. One was able to adapt and and recover or you know change their ways and figure out how to still thrive and. One, the other kind of just shut down or shuttered their doors and whatnot, and uh, it goes back to that old saying, you know, life is 10 percent what happens to you and 90 percent how you respond, so to speak. A thousand percent, yep. <laughs> and so obviously, um, some industries were hit harder than others. Uh, some <laughs> industries were able to thrive because of the pandemic. Right. Be- uh, I'm sure the. Uh, Zoom, the, or the company that owns Zoom, they did very well. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and, or in the company that produces Purell, they probably did really, really well. Um, exactly. Clorox so, wipes. hello. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but you talked about always up-level, up-leveling your skills. So even if you're doing the same thing over and over again, or you suggest not to do that, but always try to figure out the next best way to improve things, even if things are going well, to always look for the net in the next step and see what's, you know, because it reminds me of the companies like Blockbuster and Kodak. Right. <laughs> uh, <Thank> you. <laughs> you know, they weren't really, they were comfortable doing what they were doing, but maybe not up-leveling too much. And you know, they're no longer around.
1: Exactly, uh, exactly. And and I think the blockbuster example is probably a perfect one, right? So on the one hand there is there is keeping track of your business, like right, making sure your financial statements look good, making sure hmm. your business is profitable, doing all of those things that when something does hit you know, you're not the one standing out there in the middle of the water, you know,
0: with yeah. the water, right? Yeah. Like,
1: as the tide goes out, like, you've got, you know, you've got some cash flow to work with. But there is that other side, too, about the skill piece and, you know, seeing, is there another way we can do this business?
3: Mm.
1: And really playing around with your business model. So I see in the future, and I, and I do hope that this trend continues In the past, when when people used to come to classes that I taught about, you know, how to start a business, right, Mm. there was always this very cut-and-dry way of thinking about business. And one of the things that I'm seeing now that really excites me is that people are embracing the idea of a business model. So really thinking about what's the problem that they solve, what's the best way that they can solve that problem, and then creating the business around the solutions Mm. rather than coming up with the solution first – being dead set on this is exactly the product I'm going to sell, this is how I'm going to sell it. When you think from the other way around where you're continuing to solve people's problems, it just gives you more freedom to create and innovate.
3: Hmm. And
1: I argue, you know, as someone who loves to serve underestimated communities, I think it allows us to serve these groups even better. Mm. And it allows us to, like, I mean, that's where I think our strengths are, is that we're always hearing problems and figuring out solutions, mm. right? So I think it's a win-win when you start from that perspective first. Where is the problem that needs to be solved? And mm. create your business around that. Then when something does hit, you can innovate.
0: Mm. Wow. I actually like that a lot, that business bio, uh framework. Yeah. Where you think about instead of the solution, you think about the problem. Because I think so many people they start a business and they have it backwards, and they realize right. that what they're selling or providing there isn't really a huge need for. And and a lot of businesses tend to fail. And I think that's right. a large part of it because maybe they didn't do their homework and whatnot. But focusing on that problem because and it works in sales too. They always talk about find the pain, yeah. You know? uh-huh. And so it reminds me of that. You know, you're finding you know what is the problem and and then focusing on that and what the solution is, you know, and then bingo, you have a successful business for exactly. entrepreneurial Exactly, business. and
1: your customers, I mean, this is a big theme. Customers will come to you and say, you know how to solve problems here's the problem i'm having can you solve this mm. right so so that's where the win comes in is mm. that you know you don't even have to be the most innovative one in the room sometimes wow
0: <laughs>
3: well wow, if amazing. you have
1: that good relationship with your customers if you're always you know looking to serve them if you're always looking to make sure your your clients are well taken care of they will let you know where they need help wow you know They will let you know where they have existing problems and maybe for your business, it's not something you can solve. So I don't think you should try to tackle everything because then you have crazy scope, you know, scope creep in the process. Mm. Um, But in in the case of the pandemic, I'll say up front, I was able to pivot my business strictly from listening to the problems that clients were having, both Mm. current, past, you know, prospects, like, you know, put them all together. They told me what they needed and then my job was to work with, you know, myself and my team to figure out, okay, how do we solve it
0: now? Wow. So, it's interesting. So, obviously, you practice what you preach, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. And, and, but you were able to thrive last year because of it. And right. so that's amazing. So, you talked about pivoting, and in fact, you, you sort of, you switched the technology instead of... Um, speaking and, and communicating with folks face-to-face. You know, you're able to speak with even more people uh, through Zoom, Zoom or something similar to that, um, uh-huh. which, is, which is great. And obviously um, we'll, we'll reach a world of course where the pandemic goes away for the most part, hopefully sooner rather than later with the ramped up distribution of vaccines and whatnot. I'm curious, where do you see uh, things going in the future and where do you see yourself in that future?
1: Sure. So I, this idea of being able to... Do more speaking, more training, more coaching from home. I am so celebrating it. It's unbelievable, (laughs) right? Um, I I, I love being around people. I mean, and I miss that part of the the work that I do tremendously. There is nothing like, you know, being in a room Mm. and delivering a powerful presentation or getting a group of people to move through some ideas about how they're going to take their business to the next level. There is something powerful Mm. that Zoom cannot replace. I will say that up front. However... The big thing that I've seen is that for women like myself or anyone that has a family, this ability now of being able to be more present with your family and at the same time take on work that you know you enjoy doing and you're losing that need to have to spend all the time traveling mm. to get from one place to another omg <laughs> that's, just, that's the only way i can describe it it's been fascinating in some of the um the workshops and some of the the training programs that i've done the numbers for women attending of they've shot through the roof
4: wow
0: wow
1: and, you know i also know the realities i know that right now there's a huge problem with you know women taking on the, the you know huge burdens within the household of managing the family and trying to keep a job like I, I get that part of it too and I don't want to downplay that at all mm-hmm. but I also think that this type of flexibility where we are rethinking how learning happens we are rethinking how business happens we're rethinking a number of things um, there's no doubt in my mind I'm gonna definitely continue to do I, I have a three-month group coaching program on sales we do a lot of work around the mindset and on planning I just, there's no doubt in my mind I'm going to keep that program online because the amount of people, the possibility, like, it's just amazing what can Mm. happen where we're not limited of all having to be in a physical place at the same time. So um, there's no doubt in my mind that this opportunity of doing things online, you know, I will celebrate when I can finally go to an event. (laughs) 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 Definitely. But... I, I do want to see as much as possible to be able to move my business in this way of where myself, you know, future team members I hire and then my clients that we can really build business models that leverage the digital space.
0: Wow. That's amazing. And thank you so much for that. And I, I totally agree that uh, obviously there'll be, I guess a, a new normal, We'll never go back to the way things were right before the pandemic. Right. right. Um, there's going to be a lot more of this kind of zoom type settings and, but there's still be in person stuff here or there because we're all social animals, right? Um, and so you still need to have that. And um, you see, I was talking to one guest who said nothing will ever take the place of in person networking and communication. I totally believe that to be true. And, but obviously, people like the idea of working from home or uh... you know spending time with the children and or being able to have that um, flexibility and whatnot and apparently people work more hours when they're working from home uh... from from what the studies have shown um, but it's interesting and, and it's and also a lot of people are thinking about starting businesses or a side hustle i was speaking with one guest who talked about entrepreneurial explosion so i think someone like yourself is very well positioned uh, you're right to ride that trend so to speak and you talked about how a lot of women uh... there's a lot of women who are trying to start their own firms businesses and be entrepreneurs that's amazing um, you know i'm all for uh... female empowerment uh... because i have two sisters and they're both entrepreneurial they put me to shame um that's <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> that's how it happens totally it's yeah. when you give
1: us when you when you create the environment where in the past um i would suggest to different clients i was working with you know you have a long-term relationship mm. hey let's meet via zoom or let's meet online i had a Zoom account for several years before mm. zoom became a household name mm. um and people didn't want to do it we felt very um very focused on only meeting in person. I think it's, I like the idea now of what you're saying. Let's have the choice. Hmm. You know there will be times definitely where there will be nothing that will replace the in-person theres something powerful we are social beings you know mm. there I can't read the room the same way I can't read a zoom room the same way I can if I'm in a physical audience mm. um, but by the same token I mean it also it really requires us to just reflip our lens of what you know being professional means of what running a business means and not having those stereotypes about well if you're not in person you're not taking mm. that serious you know right. No, it it actually very well could be that there's a huge group of people that you're missing out on, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. potential customers, that if you lean into using this online model, we're all going to get better results. Right. Or the hybrid, which is one that I'm seeing right now a lot, where I'm seeing within the event industry, for example, they're they're looking at ways of really leveraging, you know, so we're not just stuck behind a a camera. Like, they're going to have all of these very cool, almost, you know, futuristic ways of Mm. experiencing events, even though you might be online. Mm. Um, The hybrid model, I think, I hope that that's the one thing that can come out of this that sets a new normal in a better place than where we started from.
0: Wow and definitely I totally agree and I think but also with Zoom it expands your reach uh, uh-huh. and that's and that's a big upside uh-huh. and you know I speak with a lot of um, coaches who used to just you know mostly have clients in their own area but with Zoom now they're able to the whole world is sort of their oyster um, exactly. and I, I think that's just incredible and amazing and so yeah definitely I believe there'll be a hybrid model for sure and so um, it's interesting. Now, when it comes to business coaches, um, I remember when I was first told about a business coach, and I was like, "Really?" <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking now. There, I don't feel this way anymore. But um, a lot of folks may sort of roll their eyes and maybe cynical and skeptical about it, and like, "Why would I hire someone?" Uh, you know, to just you know make suggestions or whatnot. What I can just do this on my own or read a book or whatnot. Well, what would you say to an individual like that?
1: So coaching is an interesting um, concept. Um, to, be, to be very fair, I think there are different types of coaches that are out there. And so I think a lot of times what tends to happen is, is people might hear about an experience with one type of coach that's not a fit for them and then think, oh, this is how every coach works. Um, so I think the first part is just to get really, really clear on what is it in your business right now that you need and you then identifying the type of coach that could be the fit for your business. So, for example, I, I purposely have not gone the traditional coaching route, although I see huge validity in it, because I don't think that my strengths and my skill sets fit well within that model. Hmm. I do a lot better at providing a combination of both strategy, a little bit of consulting thrown in depending upon who the client is, And then some of the parts that are more considered as part of traditional coaching, the reflection, um, you being able to lean into the types of things that you want to do uh, with your business and and kind of up-leveling. So I think I totally understand why the stereotype exists. I've definitely hired people that have, you know, I've had my own coaches where you just leave the relationship and you're like, "Mm." Um, (laughs) hmm. But by the same token, I've also had coaches, and I think this is when you know you have a powerful relationship. I have had coaches that have shaved years off of my life of helping me solve the problems in my business. That could I have figured this out on my own? Sure. Did the coach help fast track that progress times ten? And so I think there probably there are definitely people that I don't think would ever be a fit for coaching, and that's fine. Um, there, there are some. There are some ideas and ways of operating that are really good if you want to work with someone who does coaching. But I also would suggest to people, do your research, do your homework on where you need help with. Um, are you someone, for example, that's just starting a business? That's a completely different type of coach than someone like myself, where I'm working to get clients up to that six figure, up to that seven figure level. Like I don't work with usually people that have already started. Hmm. They haven't started yet. I need you to have some type of traction. Hmm. Um, But once you got traction, then let's create the plan, right? (laughs) Let's let's drill down into where your gaps are around sales and let's figure out what that looks like. But a lot of it has to do with personality and it has to do with how you learn best and then also what you're looking for out of the relationship.
0: Mm. Wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much for that. So the thing about coaching that um, a lot of people don't understand is that not all cultures are the same. They have right. different styles and whatnot. So maybe they see a coach with one style that's not for them, and they think all coaches are that way. And it's not quite like that. Um, different coaches have totally different styles, and so and in, in obviously I, I like that. Again, you practice what you preach. You you have coaches yourself, and. Yes. <laughs> You've, you've all, you yourself have also had maybe some negative experience, maybe not so great experiences with certain coaches whose style didn't match yours, of course. And, but I like what you said before that when you have the right coach, they were able to shave years off your I guess learning curve or uh, whatnot. And, and that's amazing. And so they're quite the investment and uh, when you have the right coach, uh, for you. And um, I'm, I'm curious. Now, obviously, the, some people may say that they can learn this on their own or read a book or whatnot. But actually, having a coach, I think, in many ways, um, it, a coach gives you accountability, right? And, okay. you know, that no one can hold you accountable like a human being can. You know, a, a book, a magazine article, a blog, or social media post can't hold you accountable like a, a, a living, breathing human being who knows what he or she is talking about can. Hi and uh, so um uh, you know definitely um I think everyone should have a coach. Uh, I think coaching um, is very important, even for people who are not entrepreneurs maybe like a you know perhaps like a life coach or whatnot and um so it it's curious, I think a lot more people are understanding the importance of coaching because so many people are going into the profession. Uh, right. I'm, I'm reading articles about how business coaching is about to explode. A lot more people are heading heading into that direction of being a, wanting to be a business coach. So there's a lot of you guys out there. I'm curious, what it, what competitive advantage do you have as a, as a business coach?
1: Sure. So I think there's a couple that that come to mind. The biggest one that for me stands out when I think about my three month group sales coaching program. There are a number of those of us who have been doing our own businesses for a period of time that fall into the category of, you know, a woman entrepreneur, a black or a brown entrepreneur, you know, whatever the, the title may be. And what tends to happen is that a lot of the advice and the wisdom that's out there right now very often tends to fall in one category. Dominant way of operating or thinking. So, when I use the term CEO, for example, a lot of times people have this conception in their mind of who a CEO is, and it's a very specific idea or a story that usually comes into their head based mm. upon what we traditionally I've seen as a CEO. One of the things that I am really, really big on is really leaning into the cultural strengths that we as people of color, that we as women bring to the table, and helping entrepreneurs leverage those Mm. strengths and their businesses which to be frank are very often hard because you've been socialized to understand that the opposite is the way of how you do things right and so, you know, one story that I'll give as an example is I was working with a group, with one of the groups once and we were doing a challenge around pitching to future clients, right, mm-hmm. F- pitching to your prospects. And so we had set up a framework of, you know, this is the number you're going to reach out to, this is the way of how you're going to do it, here's your sales scripts. Well, one of the participants ran into this big hurdle that when we got at the root of it, really came down to she was talking to someone that was of different gender, a different ethnic group, and they were using for lack of a better word, they were using isms against her Mm. to try to dominate the relationship. And she didn't know how to respond. She really didn't understand how to be able to have that conversation and feel empowered because on the one hand, she really wants the business. Mm. But on the other hand, you know, this person does not, it's not making me comfortable. And Mm. I don't even know how to come up with language to Mm. describe how to handle that. And so those types of spaces I think are so critical because far too often there's this like one style fits all. This is how you run a business. And, if you bring a different story to the table, like my story is, you know, I grew up in a black family where you you hard work is how you do it. That's how you're going to get ahead. You're going to work hard. You're going to always make sure you're showing up excellent and things look perfect. And then I got into entrepreneurship, and yeah, I have to work hard. But a lot of my biggest wins, it was hard work and strategy. Mm. That was it. it was a little bit harder to kind of calculate, or. Sometimes some of the biggest wins I've had for example when I'm speaking, you know, I as much as I want to make sure what I'm delivering is going to be perfect, some of the best results I've had have been when I just got open to what the audience needed at that time mm. and I wasn't focused on the perfect presentation. You know? Hmm. And if you don't have spaces and places where you can have those conversations and figure it out for yourself, it is very easy. I mean the stats for black women entrepreneurs, hmm. on average they're earning twenty-seven to thirty-five thousand dollars a year. For Latino women, they're on average earning fifty-three thousand dollars a year. And that was prior to the pandemic, hmm. right? We know that in many cases, those entrepreneurs, they have the education, they have the training, they hmm. have the know how. What's stopping them from moving forward thousand percent racism plays a place there are systemic factors that exist and mm. i'm excited that finally we're having an honest conversation mm-hmm. i hope about it but then i also think in that process of healing we have to have spaces where people can come to and have these conversations that often are very vulnerable and very uncomfortable mm. and then in the middle of that let's be clear this is not therapy we need a plan to now what are we going to do with that right and how do, how do we stay accountable to now moving this forward in the midst of trying to figure this out? So the irony was with that story, with that example where the, the participant didn't know how to handle that conversation, we gave we talked about it as a group, and she came up with a way to not work with that individual as a client. Mm. But ironically, now what to say to future clients as she moved forward that gave her a boost of confidence, and I, I would argue she probably made more money out of it
0: as a mm-hmm. result. Wow, that's amazing. And um, I actually love that story a lot. Obviously, uh, as an entrepreneur, um, you want to have that posture. You know, you don't have to work with everyone and anyone. And uh, I think it (laughs) it works to uh, an entrepreneur's advantage or a salesperson's advantage when, you know, they don't come off as desperate or pushy. And I think a a prospect may actually like that a lot more as opposed to desperation and pushiness that, that may repel them. So I think a lot of times people have that backwards, you know, so having posture is so important. I'm glad that she was able to, or she's learned to kind of ditch those people or, uh, you know, not take that mess from it, <laughs> that kind of thing from individuals. Know, like,
1: totally. <laughs> but to that very point, unless you have, even, even if you can logically, and this is where I think coaching is so powerful, is that even if you can logically think through that scenario, mm-hmm. if you don't have a chance to have, outside opinions or outside support guiding you with that mm-hmm. it's so easy like that whack-a-mole game like mm. you whack the one sucker down and it pops up in another spot mm. and mm. so that's the thing i think about when you have good when you have a good coach working with you if you have good mentors good advisors working with you i think all businesses need those things because it's you can only do it so much as one person mm. And so, having that support, I think, gives you a much broader way of being able to then navigate and mm. then to be fine. That's how you start 2Xing, 3Xing, and 5Xing your numbers.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Um, that reminds me of Grant Cardone with the 10X kind of thing. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, um, definitely um, love that advice. And um, I'm curious. Now, obviously, um, I love that you have a lot of stories of how you've helped individuals and whatnot. Uh, I'm curious, can you tell us any more um, uh, moving or entertaining stories from your life or career?
1: Oh, wow. I mean, that's a, uh, <laughs> that's a that's probably the only one that I would say that I, there's a gazillion. <laughs> that's the easy part. Yeah. But if I think about, you know, the ones that matter most to the work that I'm doing right now, I think the big one right now to me is those of us that, you know, we have so much talent and we have so much potential and I'm speaking specifically to, um, you know the underestimated, the underrepresented entrepreneurs that are out here right now. Mm-hmm. I think my stories of just being willing to just hear no. Um, you know, one of the best examples and times that I, I heard, I first heard no in my career was I my first business. But I didn't tell you when I was a teenager. Is I started a vending machine company. Okay. Actually, which I look back on now and laugh hysterically of why I did that. I don't know. Um, and you know, one of my biggest flops with that first business was that I I had a, a family member. Who had Unfortunately, passed and then left me, you know, something to be able to, you know, as part of their transition. And I somehow convinced my mother to get these vending machines. And I explained it to her as, like, look, I'm going to make more than I make from this fast food, you know, job. Right. You know, within like a couple hours, right? Like, I don't need to work all week long anymore. Like, I'm going to make all this money. So somehow, some way, she convinced, you know, she got convinced. I still don't know how to get them <laughs> for me. And, you know, the company, I had no idea back then, right? The company was a total scam. They sent you the machines, and then it was on you to find the location for it, right? And it was up to you to be able to figure out where you are going to place them. I'm a teenager. I don't have business relationships. I don't have yeah. <laughs> no locations of where I can put it. Yeah. So I think one of my most moving and entertaining moments, and it's happened a couple of times since, but never quite with the same fierceness that I had uh, at, at that point, was the machines are in my house now. My mother is about to completely lose it on (laughs) me, rightfully so, (laughs) because all she can see is money out the window, and to this day i don't know what wisdom guided me i know it was clearly god himself that was talking to me i just put on a suit and i literally walked door to door and must have knocked on at least at least 500 doors wow um in my area and found places and i only had at that time i think it was like six or seven machines the first go around Mm. um so it took a lot to get those machines placed but i always go back to that story again when i am like reaching that point of, like, okay, I don't know if I can do it this time. Okay, I don't know. And, you know, I heard no so much when I did that that, I mean, it just... I would get to the door and almost be ready for the no. <laughs> you, know?
0: <laughs>
1: you know? You just totally develop this huge, thick skin over it where you're like, all right, next one. Yeah. Um, you're fine with it. And I think that story, though, of just being... Um, you know, I, I'm clear. My mother's motivation was, was breathing down my neck, definitely. But... Yeah just being willing to take the risk to hear the no, being willing to just figure it out on the way while you're doing it, I did find places for those machines. And, you know, it's it took a lot of work, but I think that probably would be one of the biggest, you know, those biggest pivotal moments because I've leaned into that story ever since.
0: Wow, that's amazing. That's an incredible story. And, you know, what I usually tell people that the word no stands for next opportunity, right? So. It does. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, nothing. Actually, knows are just as important as yeses, in my opinion. Um, they are.
1: They can be yes.
0: Yes, they're they're basically sides of of the different sides of the same coin. So, mm-hmm. you know, to get to yes, you have to go through no's So there's no way around it. So when I get a, when I get a no from people, I actually get ha- I'm happy and excited because it shows that, you know, I'm on I'm on my path and. And uh, success may be around the corner. When I get a no, that I realize that that's that's a critical part that I'm, I'm doing it. You know what I mean? So actually, that's right. yeah. So um, there's actually a TED talk called "100 Days of Rejection." I always recommend it to people. I think you would get a kick out of it. Um, it's a gentleman. He gives a speech about how he would go for no deliberately. So he would make these silly requests, like go to a restaurant and say, "Can I get a burger refill?" Right or it. I like yeah, it. and um, and and whatnot, and it, it like it doesn't make any sense, but you know it's interesting. He got a lot of no's, of course, but once in a while he actually did get a yes when he made these silly um, <laughs> requests, and so that it tells you something, um, you know so
1: i will definitely check that out
0: thank you yeah it's uh he has his own website it's like um you know so he was trying to do it so he can get used to rejection get that thick skin um like you had by going through hundreds of hundreds of uh, you know businesses to uh, sell the vending machines so definitely an amazing story i actually like it a lot and um now it's curious uh you know we talk about you know trying to sell and, and you know to get to the yeses you have to get to the no's another way that's great is obviously I'm sure you're familiar with is, is networking um, and getting opportunities and referrals that way uh, we met on, on LinkedIn which is a, a great networking platform right totally. and it's interesting because um, obviously most businesses want to get to the point where they mostly or solely rely on referrals, and networking can help with that. And But not just with um, entrepreneurs, but networking is great for job hunters, people who are looking for work. I'm curious, um, what networking advice would you give to people?
1: Sure. So it's known that in a small business world that most business, especially the large business that people land, is through referrals and networking. And I think a lot of times entrepreneurs are hearing all of these ideas about how to be able to find new prospects or new customers. And the the first thing you may want to lean in on is this, right? Is understanding how do you expand your network? How do you get more referrals within your business? And there's a host of ways of how you can do it. I think one of the, the key themes that I always talk about with networking and definitely with referrals is making sure that you're finding ways to provide value. Hmm. Far too often people are asking, 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 but not really genuine around ways about providing value and what that looks like. And yes, it depends upon your type of business as to what that may look like. So, you know, in some cases, it might just be you joining a trade association, right, in hmm. your industry or in industry that you want to be able to connect with. Hmm. and Just start volunteering with the association, Hmm. you know, get to know people, get to build genuine relationships with people. I've done that on a number of occasions and yeah, business definitely can come out of those types of of moments because there's an opportunity to build a genuine relationship and you find people that you connect with pretty easily and vice versa. And then when you then sell, it's not that uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Right. Um, I think for entrepreneurs within their business, I think it's a huge win. Be very clear and specific that if people do give you a referral, if you have a customer and they say, hey, you know, so-and-so did this amazing job, you should check them out. When you find out that that person, new person that came in was referred, do something nice for Joe, Mm. you know? Find a way to be able to make sure that Joe is getting a gift basket or, you know, some sort of referral. I mean, there's a whole world of affiliate, um, you know, uh, relationship building and opportunities out there for those that do it in the digital space, but even in the you know day to day type of work that people are doing with brick and mortar, really build up the referral part of what your marketing looks like. Because yeah, there's <laughs> there's real opportunity, there's real numbers that mm. can come mm. if people know that they're going to be acknowledged for giving that referral. Also,
0: wow, I like that a lot, and. You know, it's interesting how I talk to a lot of successful people about networking, and they they give a a similar answer um, when it comes to the idea of providing value to people, and uh, and giving, and uh, it's something that I'm trying to do. Uh, You know, that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast was I I got the idea from reading books by Steve Gordon, and um, great author, by the way, and it's all about trying to start relationships by providing value. And, you know, being the one to do that and whatnot. And so that's why I recommend everyone start a podcast uh, for that, for that, just that reason alone. And uh-huh. <laughs> I uh, and I read a lot of networking books and uh, I've, I've read Go Giver by Bob Berg. Amazing excellent, yes. Yeah. Yes. And he's written some other ones like Go Giver, sell more and whatnot. Um, I'm connected with him on LinkedIn. Great, nice guy, by the way. And I also have read. Um, Give and Take by Adam Grant, very good book.
1: Okay, um, I have to check that out.
0: Yeah, um, and uh, I believe Adam Grant's written a, a few other good ones too. And also, um, what is it? Uh, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with Influence by Shaldini, right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he talks about um, the law, the rules of influence, the laws of influence. One of them was the the law of reciprocity, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, when you give, you you're basing taking advantage of this principle, right? When, when you give, you oftentimes get a lot back. So it's um I, it's something that a lot of people don't understand. It's it's a simple concept, but not a lot of people are doing it because I, I would go to networking events and, you know, people would sell on the first handshake, so to speak. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, uh, and so obviously networking and sales is two different things, right? It's not the same thing. Okay. No. Um, so networking is all about building a relationship and um, it's funny uh, I'll, I'll just say this one thing most uh, when it comes to sales um, very few people want what you um, are offering or selling the first time you approach them that's why the, the rate of no's is so high so when you went to all those businesses hundreds of them yep. a lot of them yep. said no because only about 1 or 2% want what you want when you first approach them Want what you sell, right? But what what it is really is the bulk of people they'll say yes to you, but not now, maybe a year from you know, or, or two. Um, because uh, if you build a relationship and you stay top of mind, stay in touch with them, when that need arises from what you sell, then they'll they'll reach out to you. And there's way oh, more of that, you know.
1: <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. And so, actually, two uh, two quick things. Um, one, I do apologize, but I just got a text from a client that I will need to leave at the top of the hour. Sure, um, no on a call with them, so I'm so so sorry about that. No worries. Um, but real quick, with that networking piece of what you're talking about, and also that sales piece, yes. um, that's a that easy is a whole other podcast episode for us on business development and relationships. Yes. <laughs> but but I will say this to your exact point. I have in my world where all I did was build a relationship for several years mm-hmm. and then you land the five figure contract. Wow. It happens. But you have to be you have to be very thoughtful and intentional about doing it and it has to be a genuine value add it's not just i'm looking to try to make money from it do you know mm. what i'm saying like it's not it's exactly what you're talking about it's finding ways to do it on a regular basis it doesn't always work one-to-one like oh just because i help this person that person's going to help me back mm. but yeah businesses talk about it all the time like there are there are different opportunities that will open up but it is about you building the long-term relationship mm. and then that that's where you get the referral honestly it's been some of the easiest sales that i've had mm. but it's because of doing what you're saying from a genuine place
0: right Right. Um, definitely. And that's what the principle I'm trying to take advantage of. Because I, I think I'm a better networker than, like, you know, salesperson, so to speak, <laughs> if that makes any sense. But obviously, they're both important, um, you know, sales, networking, and marketing. So I'm trying to be better in all three. Um, definitely. So here's the thing since you have to go soon, um, I'll just hold on to this recording. Uh, we can. Could- yeah yeah not a big deal uh, then what happens is when you have time we'll set up another time we can finish out all the uh, other questions and then when it's done uh, we can you know combine it into one episode so awesome
1: okay cool, cool not a
0: big deal I wanted to thank you so much for coming on for this part one
1: <laughs> likewise I like it we got to. Awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so you know it's easy you can do magic with editing so not a big deal um thank you so much um definitely i'm going to go back on your calendly should i go there
1: sure
0: and i'll set up another time definitely please stay in touch and i'll be sent i'll be sending you a thank you email with some resource on it thank you so my much my pleasure Maya.
1: my pleasure thank you so much i look forward to the next
4: call you got it
0: take care okay
1: bye
4: All right. Hello, everyone. We're back for part two uh, of our interview with Maya. And uh, we're so lucky that we were able to have her back. And so (laughs) off we go. Uh, So I want to thank you for your answer that you gave uh, for networking. I think it's very key and critical. Uh, But obviously, uh, I guess changing topics a little bit. Uh, society has a lot of social ills, which I'm sure you're aware. There's a lot of racism, sexism, ageism, homophobia, and transphobia, and whatnot. I'm curious, have you yourself ever personally experienced uh, racism or sexism? And if you have, how were you able to overcome it and still achieve success?
5: So that's a great question, and I'm I'm glad you include it because I think a lot of times. Um, in these types of conversations, we don't get a chance to dive in and have real conversations about it. Um, There's a number of stories that I I have experienced both overt and I think the big one that I get on a regular basis are the microaggressions. Um, You know, people, um, you know, asking questions. Well, you know, you say you're black, but really like where are you from? You you can't possibly be. No, no, my, I just told you that my lineage (laughs) that I'm black, I just missed my ancestors a couple of generations, and we come in all different, you know, shapes, sizes, and and complexions, so it is what it is. Um, I think, I won't say that I've been able to overcome it, because I think that if you're you're existing in our society, you know, today, right, as a person of color, as a black person, as someone who falls into any of the underrepresented um, categories that so often are, are being discussed nowadays, I think my strategy has been I can't overcome it because it's not something that I'm doing. It's something being done upon to me, you know, right? So Mm -hmm. I can educate myself. I can make sure I understand my history. Um, I can definitely, you know, learn coping mechanisms for when it happens. I think the biggest thing that I've been doing is becoming aware of how the microaggressions and how some of the parts that are institutionalized become embedded in your way of operating and decision-making and that I can work to overcome. So the quick example that I can give is that, you know, growing up, I heard a lot of, um, you know, truths or maxims, you know, growing up in a middle-class black community about, you know, work hard, make sure you get a good job. Um, Advice that was amazing, right? And that's great. But then when you get out into, you know, starting your own business, you get out into kind of creating your own professional career, you have to be willing to take that advice and that wisdom that you got, hear the, the the ideas that now society is giving you, the majority society is giving you, and understand how to be able to really pull the wheat from the shaft, right? Um, and be able to kind of navigate things in a way that, well, maybe my goal is not just a good job. Maybe it's that I want to provide wealth for the next few generations. And okay. I would almost that's how racism to me has shown up. It's shown up in ways where it's not just the overt, you know, we're not going to hire you or we're not going to promote you. It's those little nuances that creep up into your mind about who you think you can be, how you think you can operate. And I use that bad grammar on purpose. Um, <laughs> you know, <the laughs> and your job is to continually be, to process how it shows up, how you make decisions. And to not fall into the traps of how they want you to operate.
1: Because mm-hmm. that's
5: really what I think it is, is they want me to operate. They want me to play small. And there's so many ways of how they will create traps for me to play small. And I've got to find ways to kind of navigate and overcome that. So it's an ongoing process. I I, I don't think until we, we have the isms fully off the table for all of us, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, We'll have gotten there, but I think for those of us that are in, that are affected by it, I think our job is to really show up and be willing mm-hmm. to challenge.
4: Absolutely, and thank you so much for that wonderful answer. And it's interesting. Uh, I think you were talking earlier about, uh, if I'm, if if you can correct me if I'm wrong about colorism, which is also <laughs> a, kind of a serious <laughs> issue, um, sure. you know. Right. And uh, my uh, my parents actually immigrated to this country from Haiti. And unfortunately, you know, colorism is an issue in Haiti and Jamaica and other parts of the Caribbean and mm-hmm. I, I guess all over the world. And so it's also something that should be brought up as well. And so it's interesting. You talk about the microaggressions and and whatnot and and how come, you know these microaggressions could build up over time. And, Definitely. you know, even though there may be each one may be small and whatnot. And it's interesting. Obviously, you don't want to play small, as you mentioned. And there's so many inspirational figures out there like Oprah Winfrey, who I love and adore. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you also have um, Kamala Harris. Now, she mm-hmm. is the first woman of color and first woman, period, and person of color to become vice president of the United States of America, which I think is, a, is amazing. It shows that a lot of progress has been made, right, And but we still have a long way to go, of course, and whatnot. So, uh, that, you know, I, obviously I love Harris. I think she's incredible. Um, she definitely followed that work-hard advice. I'm sure she was given when she was young growing up, of course. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> and, uh, and I believe she also attended Howard, uh, mm-hmm. mostly black. Uh, it's a college institution, which is amazing as well, putting that school on the map and whatnot so uh I, you know obviously, I think there's a lot of progress i'm I'm an optimist um but also a realist, understanding that there is discrimination out there um, but you, you still want to find ways to still navigate uh, and you, maybe in some ways utilize the advantages you may have if you are a person of color, you can network with other people of color. Um, there's something about people of color wanting to help each other out, which is amazing. You know, Mm -hmm. it's interesting. Uh, I'd be remiss if I also didn't mention the the story or the tragedy of black wall street. Um, Mm -hmm. we're right. You you know about black wall street. We're coming upon the 100 year anniversary of the destruction of black wall street. But you know, it's funny in 1921, um, there was a lot of discrimination against Black Americans. It was
3: very bad,
4: but but here in this area, and I'm sure other areas, you had this economically thriving area of Black mm-hmm. Americans because they all mm-hmm. helped each other out, bought from each other, you know, and you, so you know the story. So yeah. it, it's
5: incredible. It is. So, it is. Even that, I think. You know, I was watching um, something recently. I think it was 15 Minutes that I was on where they had probably the second and third generation of black people that are living in Tulsa right now.
3: Mm -hmm.
5: Their story and them recalling the story, is probably that perfect example of what I'm talking about where we, as the people who are being dealing with the ism have to, have to to be conscious about what's happening to us and how it's going on. So long story short, a number of the people um, that were being interviewed shared they were never told the story of Culca. They were never told the story of Black Wall Street. And they grew up in the community. So basically it basically it never happened. I don't think that that's a coincidence that that our story would not be told. And I think that that's part of that ongoing um, embedded um that ability to, to like really change your mind. I'm an optimist as well too. I think that we have to always be on guard to recognize how insidious the conversations are because they're literally trying to erase the story. And I think there's so much power right now in us telling the story, right? And mm-hmm. talking to I think there's only what two survivors now that are left, right? Um, mm-hmm. it did happen. And, yes, you had black people that were wealthy, right? And, and we need to, like, honor and acknowledge that and not for one second not tell that story. But I'm clear why they weren't told the story.
1: Mm-hmm. And that,
5: that, to me, is probably the bigger thing about, the, about mm-hmm. racism, that part of saying that is
3: mm-hmm. it's
5: to erase your ability to believe that you can achieve. You know, it is it is to erase the stories of the success that exists in your lineage, and it's done on purpose, and I think we have to be really, really conscious about that, because then when you're trying to do things like be the first person in your family to start a business or, you know, graduate and go to a good college and get a good job, right, I don't, I think those are all important things,
3: mm-hmm. you've
5: got to be aware of how it shows up to make sure that you can navigate those daily conversations and isms that are bound to happen.
4: Wow. And and that's, it's amazing. And you are right about a lot of times this history gets erased or it's just not taught and people mm-hmm. need to find out. And it's very sad that these are folks who grew up in the area and didn't know about the story. It mm-hmm. sort of kind of defies belief, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's interesting. And now my understanding is there are people who are still alive from that time. Uh, true. They're like
3: yeah.
4: <laughs> over 100 yeah. years old. And yeah. the, the story hasn't ended yet because apparently uh, these folks are looking for uh, compensation, which I believe they deserve, as, as well as I think I believe they're also trying to dig up bodies that were buried. Uh, I think yeah. that's something they're looking into doing. So uh, it's an interesting uh, story and uh, and a very sad tragedy and whatnot. Um, one of these days, I'd love to visit Tulsa and go to that area, pay my respects. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I believe there's a memorial there. So something I definitely, that's on the bucket list, uh, for sure. And, and I, got I love it. <laughs> right. And, uh, so, but also I, I, I love the idea of buying, as they say, buy black. Uh, mm-hmm. now some people, you know, I think get offended or misunderstand what that means. It doesn't of mean course. it's only buy from black people. That's not,
3: right.
4: You know, you can buy from anywhere the idea of then that's how black wall street one of the things that helped them to advance and thrive and so it's something i think a lot of people need to understand and consider and and whatnot you know relying on your group to help each other out could help to overcome racism out. right mm-hmm. yeah, like relying on your group to help each other out uh can help in many ways to overcome uh barriers and whatnot like with black wall street and, mm-hmm. and whatnot so um uh, very. I know we can go on and on and on about this topic, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. And I think that as time goes on, there'll be more opportunities for people of color. Um, I'm curious now, uh, you are a coach, of course, which I think is amazing. Yeah. What, what advice would you give to someone who wants to do what you do, is listening to you and says, hey, I want to do what Maya's doing. I want to be a coach. What would you tell them? <laughs>
5: Um, so, there's a huge up, uptick right now in coaches that are coming out. And I'm actually very proud to say I am seeing a number of coaches that do look like me. Where when I first got started on this journey, it was kind of like, well, what exactly is that? Are you like teaching phys ed or something? Like, you know, thinking I'm a gym coach. And I'm like, no, that's definitely not me. <laughs> um, I think there's a number of things that, um, that usually come up for when people want to get started in the coaching realm. Like you, you may want to choose whether you want to go into life coaching or business coaching like I have. Um, and there's a whole host of fields now, wellness coaching, for example. There's a number of places that are focusing on people getting certified and really understanding the craft about coaching. And I think there's huge value in that. Um, I've perfectly not gotten certified because the method that I use um, I've, it's been tested. I've literally delivered this method over thousands of hours of delivering workshops and doing work one-on-one with people. So it's not to say that I've perfected it. I can always learn more, but I've tested it. It's not something I just woke up yesterday and said, "Oh, I'm going to mm-hmm. be a coach." morning. Um, but the bigger thing that I recommend for people, you know, not even should you get certified. What area do you want to focus in on? The big one for me, that's the frustration, is that if you decide that you want to be a coach. You have to be more passionate about helping people and willing to talk to people to get them to pay you to do that work than you are about the actual coaching. And what I mean by that is is people will often get into this realm and they'll get super obsessed with learning everything they can about helping people. You know, how do I increase? someone's, um, you know, opportunity to success. How do I teach them about time management or navigating their um, family life? Like, for example, if you're a life coach, right? Like how do you navigate being a parent or being a spouse or a partner or whatever? That's all amazing. And like, you can totally dive in deep on the subject. Where I'm going is you know how to market yourself. If you are sitting there and like you're spending all of this money on all these books and materials that I love to learn, don't get me wrong, but you're not going out and you're talking to people and trying to find ways to actually help them. That, for me, is one of, I think, the greatest um, disservices that you can do because you are kind of keeping all of that knowledge to yourself. And you might as well just say, I want to help myself, which is great, right? There's nothing wrong with that.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, but don't say that you want to be a coach if you're not willing to put yourself out there and market yourself. And far too often people are very, very, very cautious about how they do it. They don't want to. They'll put up a website and expect people to just show up at the website magically, you know, no one's mm-hmm. online so. It's- a coach, which is not right. Mm. So we, want, we want our solutions, um, but I think you have to really invest time in and energy into marketing. I think that there are ways of doing it that even if you're not natural at marketing, you can learn, right? And you can mm. master some different techniques. But the big advice that I would give to someone who wants to do what I do right now is learn the craft, but spend time on building the business. Spend time on spreading the word about what you do, why you do what you do, creating a strategy and a plan on how you're going to grow it, because it is real easy to spend thousands of dollars getting certified, and then you have no customers to work with.
4: Wow. Interesting. Yeah, that reminds me of student loans, how people get a lot of loans and may not get a
5: job. It's exactly the same thing. And, hey, at least with, with college, for good or for bad, you can pivot that in about six different directions. But once you get the the certification from coaching, you're then in theory a coach. Like you can't pivot it as easy as you can college, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I would just recommend like you've got to learn the business of it as well. It can't just be that you enjoy the work and then you're not willing to put in the work to get the customers.
4: Wow. Okay, and so it's interesting. So, uh, and thank you so much for this wonderful uh, advice you've given. You you spoke about how there's an uptick in people getting to coaching, and, and which is great. I guess there's enough for everyone, and totally. it's interesting, right? That there's obviously a low barrier to entry with coaching, and right. so that makes it easier for people to kind of get in. And you said there's more coaches that look like you, which is great. Yeah, that's excellent. Yes. It's amazing. It wasn't like that in the beginning, but probably people like yourself maybe inspired others to get in, of course. Uh, it always tends to work that way. I hope and so. <laughs> apparently, Dominique Dawes, uh, she inspired Simone Biles, I believe. So there's something mm-hmm. to that. And it's interesting. Now, uh, you, you're you not necessarily certified, but you mentioned that you you've done this uh, you have your own system you 've spent thousands sure. of hours on it and it it 's field tested you 've gotten people results, so you know what you 're doing obviously and so you know it 's interesting how sometimes the best coaches don 't have certifications, and a lot of coaches <laughs> who aren 't that great do have certifications, so it 's exactly. not something people should really wed themselves to but um so and so that 's amazing now you mentioned that it 's important to have the passion and to want to learn, to have that thirst for knowledge, but you need to also know how to market yourself. Yeah. And so you can know your craft, but you have to know how to build a business. And, you know, it's interesting how so many people uh, will go into business and they're good at a certain skill, like they may be a good baker, but they may not they may not understand the ins and outs of marketing and being an entrepreneur. It's a That's whole right. other skill. Right. So. And it can
5: be more- I mean, you, you can learn the marketing piece, like, I mean, the first part is, is really begin to understand what turns your customers on. What is the problem that they have that they need to help put, be, getting solved? And then how can you best communicate that? You know, everyone automatically thinks it's social media. It may not be, to be honest, um, you know, but you're to do the work to figure out how do I best communicate my message? How do I best get the word out there so that people will understand why I bring value in my bakery that someone else doesn't? And then you just mm. got to keep doing work to get people to show up to to understand, like, yeah, you make the best, you know, fill in the blank, whatever, mm. and I'm going to
4: mm. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and by the way, I think everyone should have a coach because <clears throat> yeah. I think coaching is so important and, <laughs> and whatnot. So, uh, you know, I think coaching takes you very far. It's interesting. I've, I've met with people who said a good coach has helped them shave years off their sort of progress, you know, getting them closer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's so important.
5: And I think to that point, what I would recommend for most people to look into getting a coach. Um, There's two things I, I would, I would advise if you're looking at working with a coach, like what those things are now, you know, the big one, obviously, like make sure that they're a fit for you. Like there are a lot of people that will make a lot of great promises about things, but, if you just don't feel comfortable with the relationship, if for whatever reason it doesn't seem like it's a fit for you, don't feel compelled to spend the money because of the promise that they're going to make because it's not going to get the results out of it that you want, right? Like, so just make sure it's a fit. Make sure it's within your budget. There's all types of creative ways now of getting coaching. I know of a number of programs right now in different cities where they're actually hiring entrepreneurs. This is like unprecedented. They're hiring entrepreneurs to provide mentoring, for for startups, for people that are trying to get started,
3: and then they're
5: for free. So there are options that are available. I know in New York State, for example, where I'm at, there's a program within the state that anyone can go and say, hey, I'm interested in being mentored on this specific subject. You go to a website, you post what you're looking to get help on, and then folks like myself who volunteer volunteered to do it will go in and provide, and I've done this with a number of people, provide coaching and advice. So... You can do it on all ends of the spectrum um, in terms of getting started. The thing that I recommend, I I shared this last night with, um, I was delivering a a 40-hour class um, over a course of a couple weeks to some new entrepreneurs. And the thing that I recommended to them about coaching, though, is you also need to get coaching in that area of your business that you better grow. And what I mean by that is this. People often will go after and get a coach in an area they already understand. So, you know, my favorite one is when the person who does social media marketing Hire the branding uh, coach to work with. Well, so, mm. you know, if you're in that space of marketing, there's probably a good chance you actually probably already understand a lot about branding already. Like, that's a, <laughs> you know, like,
3: mm. right.
5: I, again, always learn more. Don't get me wrong. Like, that, you're, that's huge, but that may not be your weak spot and why your business is not going to grow. You may need to go and get coaching on how do you do your bookkeeping and understand, you know, sales projection. right? Mm. That may, you really need to deep dive down in deep on. Or the one that, um, you know, I recommend for a lot of people is sales coaching. Everyone assumes that just because you hang up your shingle, you know how to ask people, you know, to do business with you. No, mm. not <laughs> necessarily. Like, you know, you got to be trained on that. Like, I didn't, you know, having an email conversation or having a phone conversation, like, you're trained on how to do those types of things. So I would recommend for a lot of people, look at the weak spots you have in your business and not that you have to to master them, like, and be the world's greatest, but the area that if you don't figure this thing out, right, you're going to lose thousands of dollars over the course of your business, so you better figure this thing out. Get the mm. marketing coaching if you suck at marketing. You know, get the sales coaching if you're nervous about making offers, if you're nervous about, well, how do I actually pitch without sounding, you know, all, like, desperate or icky or, um, you know, I get a lot of people in my space when I do my sales coaching that are like, I don't like asking people for anything. And I'm like, great, I don't either. There's a way of doing it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a total way of building a relationship that you don't have to ask. Um, So I would say just, you know, look to those areas for where you need to grow your business instead of always picking the areas that's comfortable and then wondering why your business is not growing.
4: Wow. And and you went ahead and answered my my next question, which is great, how to look for a coach. Thank you so much for that. So you mentioned that the coach has to be the right fit for you, and Mm -hmm. you have to mesh with that person. Obviously, you have to Mm -hmm. like and trust this person. This is someone you're going to share intimate details with about Mm -hmm. your life, of course. And Mm -hmm. you also mentioned you have to be the right kind of coach. Uh, In many cases, getting a sales coach can help folks uh and particularly a lot of people who think they don't they know everything about sales or you know, or like you mentioned they they hang up their sh their shingles, and whatnot, but a sales coach can take it to the next level. Um okay. sales coaches um are amazing and I think a lot of them get great results for their clients, something people mm-hmm. need to really look into and whatnot. And so so important to get the right kind of coach. And uh, I like how you said that, you know, you told the client, uh in that in that story, you mentioned that you don't like doing that either, going to people and requesting things. I, it, it may not be the most enjoyable thing in the world, but there's a, there's a way to do it where you don't have to do it, which is or it doesn't seem that way, which is, I think is amazing and incredible. So definitely, I think everyone should look into getting a coach. Uh, mm-hmm. the, all the best have coaches and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, Jordan, Tiger Woods, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and whatnot. And so it, even if it's, you know, not, let's say it's not, if you don't own a business, you can get a life coach, which I think a lot of people need to to look into because I think I mentioned this before, obviously there's a lot of books out there, but there's so much information, but it's not being implemented. And, and a coach pro- can help you to implement it because they provide that missing link, which is oftentimes accountability, you know, tailored customized solutions and whatnot. So definitely a great investment. Uh, for people to really, truly look into. So uh, I'd be remiss uh, if I didn't bring this up. Uh, Obviously, you know, we've been talking about uh, entrepreneurialism, business coaching and whatnot. Um, There is a high failure rate with new businesses. Uh, Most new businesses, as you know, fail within the first couple of years. Why is that and what should entrepreneurs do to turn that around?
5: Sure. Sure. So a number of um, studies show that usually businesses are undercapitalized, meaning they don't have enough money to get started um, in terms of getting the business up off of the ground. Um, and there's always a handful of things that will show up every year when the SBA puts out the research, um, not having the right you know, team running the business, not having enough money, not having a plan. I'll tell you, I think... One of the bigger things that I think exists right now in this current environment is that a lot of people want to start businesses and they don't want to test the idea first. And I think this applies whether you're starting a brand new business or even if you're starting something new, like if you're launching a new service within your existing company, right? Like you could already have a successful business and you're like, okay, I want to try to sell, I don't know, widgets or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I highly recommend test. Find ways. So in in my 40 hour program, one of the first things that I do when we have our first classes is I get the class literally to go outside. I even did it when we did it virtually. Um, And you got to go sell something. And I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to get you a series of things that you need to ask a customer to talk and build a relationship. But you need to go out and sell this thing that you think is going to work. And there's always this look of shocks that everyone gives me when I give them as their first activity. They're, they're coming in expecting to, like, take notes and learn. And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, you're going to bore me and everyone here. We're not doing that. But like, go out there and make a bunch of mistakes. That's the idea. Have it fail. Yes, have it fail so that now we can come back as a group and we can discuss what worked, what didn't work, and then you beyond up your chances of being able to be successful when you get started. And I think far too often people are, are hanging out in that theory space. They're hanging out in that, it'd be nice if I could. And so they do all the niceties. They get the website up. They create the social media. You know, I hear it all the time. People will buy the inventory. But then they don't actually try to sell it and see what the results are. You know, maybe wow. when you start to see it, you're going to find out you need to keep that day job for a little bit longer because it ain't really working. (laughs) And that's okay. That's fine. I mean, that's business. That's not even a bad thing. Anyone who's an entrepreneur totally gets it. Um, But you have to test these ideas out. I've done it a gazillion times. I'll come up with an idea for a workshop because someone's like, oh, my gosh, Maya, you need to talk about this. And then I'll pitch it to my audience, and I hear nothing. Well, I'm not going to go and waste my time and create the workshop and you know put together the, the the PowerPoint and you know set the get the room. I'm not going to do any of that until I know people want it. The minute they want it, let's dive in. Let's do it.
4: Mm-hmm. Wow. And so it's it's, it's interesting. And then thank you so much for that. You talked about how the studies show the top reason is undercapitalization mm-hmm. uh, or lack of money or funds. A lot of times these studies may not be able to get into the details, so to speak. And
3: mm-hmm. you,
4: you, so you mentioned how entrepreneurs should test ideas out. It's interesting. Um, I'd be scared out of my wits if I were in your class and then I had to go outside <laughs> and just sell everyone outside. But I, I totally get it and understand it. And I would definitely do it if I were there. And, you know, obviously you learn a lot by doing than, than just sitting in the desk oftentimes and just cool. taking notes. Uh so I, I, I definitely understand that. And so, you know, they have to go outside and try to sell something. Now obviously they folks probably make a ton of mistakes. Um uh, but it's interesting. Uh there's a book I always recommend to people by John Maxwell called Failing Forward, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you may have heard of it
3: and mm-hmm.
4: uh it's interesting. I actually I spoke with a guest, he was a serial entrepreneur from and an immigrant from Zimbabwe. He told me that there's no such thing as failure, just learning experiences. Uh right and I totally believe that to be true. I I believe you only truly fail if you get knocked down and you and you refuse to get back up. Then that could be the only thing that could truly be considered failure in my in my opinion. So uh I I totally agree with you when when they go out there and they make a ton of mistakes, they can see what works, what doesn't work and and it's and you're saying entrepreneurs should do more of that before they decide to start a business. Uh and well-
5: Before you start investing a ton of money, you've got to prove that there is a need for this particular problem, right? You've got to prove that there's a huge need, I would argue, for this problem. And the way you do that is, is by testing it. So, I mean, I... Your reaction is exactly the reaction of like the fear that everyone always has when when we first do it. So don't worry, you yeah. you'd be in a group you be in a group of everyone else that could totally relate to you in that regard. And I think that that's what makes it a little bit easier is that you're not doing it by yourself then, right? Like you're doing mm. it in a. Um, mm. But that ability to test is critical. We, if you look back during the pandemic and you see the entrepreneurs or the businesses that were able to kind of um, survive and in some cases even thrive, you know. Definitely there were industries that were decimated, and this would have been a little bit harder to do it within those industries. But Mm. in the industry that weren't decimated, the reason they actually made it is because they did exactly what we're talking about. They just came up with an idea on the spot, tested that sucker, and said, let's try it. Mm. Let's see if it's going to work. Let's get it out there. And in many cases, you kept pivoting as time went on to try to figure out, what's the need that my customers have? What are the problems that I need to get solved? And you just keep testing, testing, testing until you kind of figure out options. That's how we have now, you know, so many new industries and so many new avenues that popped up during this time is because folks were testing it. So a thousand percent you don't have to you don't have to know it out the gate. But the way you will figure out what the solution is by is by literally, like your friend said, um the the gentleman that was from Zimbabwe is you just go out there and you figure it out, and you just, it's not a failure. I think our American school system does a horrible job of instilling that in us, and that's the reason why it's so hard for most of us, because you're not allowed to fail in school. You don't get the mm-hmm. chance to test ideas or, you know, um, make mistakes or draw outside the lines, right? Um, but that's what is going to allow you to have success as an entrepreneur. That willingness to test until you get to a place where the business can start running to some degree pretty successfully, and now you can actually put the systems in place that make it a little bit more smooth.
4: Wow. And and, and thank you so much for that. It's interesting uh, that you suggest entrepreneurs that they obviously do their research, do their homework, test mm-hmm. things out, figure out if there's an actual need for what they plan on selling, and it has to be a big enough need to make it worth it. And so... You know, if they can do that, they could it could save them a lot of heartache and stress. If if they yeah. start, you know, maybe they realize this is not a good idea and they do something else, which I think is so important. And that could help to lower the the numbers when it comes to exactly. the high failure rate. And so, definitely, thank you so much for that advice. And I'm curious now. Obviously, um, it's interesting when it comes to tough times. There tends to be an increase in creativity and ingenuity. Uh, it's interesting how, if you study history, during the Great Depression, a lot of great businesses were started during that time. That's okay. right. So, it's uh, interesting to know. Yeah. So, uh,
3: <laughs>
4: something about tough times that makes people, you know, fi- they have to figure something out and figure something new. And so, it's it's and there's a lot of great ideas will come that will come out of this era because of the I'm sure the uh, pandemic and whatnot. I'm, I'm almost positive of it. And so there definitely is something to that. Um, So I'm curious. I'm curious. Obviously, you've shared with us a lot of important life lessons uh, that you've learned yourself from others along the way. In addition to what you've shared with us already, are there any other important life lessons you'd love to provide us with?
5: Sure. I think that one of the things that I'm constantly talking about is the importance of starting with your why. Um, Far too often, especially as we become adults, we – get disconnected to our why. We're focusing on our what. Okay, I've got to, you know, pay the bills. I've got to go do the job. I've got to, you know, keep the family going. I've You know, like all of the, like, necessities, we'll just say, of life. And we miss out on that why and what really, really, really sets our life on fire, what really gets us excited. And so how this shows up, you know, I was just having this conversation recently with a good friend that, you know, like right now, due to the pandemic, I haven't traveled in probably probably what is the longest time frame in my adult life. <laughs> I wow. haven't had a plane, train, bus, or automobile to go someplace because of the pandemic, right? And it doesn't, you know, I know, you know, some things may change and, and people may start traveling, but I, I, I want to wait until I feel totally comfortable in, in, in navigating and doing that. I hear a lot of people who think similarly to me, who are having that same frustration of, like, not being able to have new experiences and connect with people and things like that, really getting, um, you know, frustrated and, and dealing now, look, I know we're going to have a lot of people dealing with mental health challenges as a result of this. Well, for me, it really stood out that this is one of those times I've got to lean in deeper into my why. You know, my why is about empowering people, people of color specifically, who want to go out, they want to monetize their business, they want to take it to the next level, and they don't know how, right? That's my Mm -hmm. why. If I get too caught up in my what, i.e., my day-to-day, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't, blah, 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 you know, my family's healthy, great, but I can't, it's very easy to get upset and depressed and, and frustrated and just in a real state. But if I continually, continually, continually focus on my why, I'm crystal clear that's what has, you know, helped me navigate with somewhat of a sense of sanity, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm an entrepreneur, 100% sane, right? Like, I'll own that. <laughs> <But No. laughs> so much sanity um, through all of this. It is because I continue to go back to my why. Well, if I can't meet with people in person, what can I do?
3: Mm-hmm.
5: How can I connect with people? How can I still help people? transform their lives, their economic situation, um, you know, and I'm clear on what my why is. I'm clear about that piece of helping people connect those dots, you know, building legacy, future legacy, things of that nature. And I think far more of us, if we really, really owned that why, right, like not just give it lip service and like, yeah, 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 I know, I know, no, 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 own it, I think we <clears> find times that are tough um, you know, or you can't quite navigate the way you want, or you're dealing with life's struggles and challenges. That why is going to be the thing that sustains you.
4: Absolutely, and that why is so important. I think Simon Sinek wrote a book mm-hmm. about called, titled Why, and mm-hmm. it's interesting. And you know, it's it's it, and, I, and I think I commend you for having your own why, your own life purpose. A lot of people, uh, unfortunately, don't get to that point. And it reminds me of a quote by Mark Twain. He once said that everyone has two birthdays, the mm-hmm. the day they were born and the day they figure out why. And, and you know both your birthdays and you own it, yep. which is great.
5: <laughs> That's right.
4: And so definitely, and I do agree with you that due to this time period uh, that we're living in, uh, I think a lot of mental health challenges are, are going obviously going to go up. I think depression is going to be up a little bit and anxiety. Obviously, mm-hmm. because of the pandemic, so uh, there is going to be a need for that. Uh, so definitely, uh, mm-hmm. you know. I, and personally, personally, this has been a very trying time for me. You know, I lost, you know, a, mem- a member of my family and whatnot. So uh, I, I totally am with you on that. Obviously, there's a lot of stress with what we're going through right now, and mm-hmm. that opens up a need for maybe an entrepreneur, perhaps <laughs> take a look mm-hmm. at that. But
5: so, then also uh, you, 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 out, you with this podcast, you with this show, this is building out that, that thing of why. I mean I think right. this this conversation right here is probably that perfect example of of you connecting into what your why is in the midst, right?
4: hmm It's Absolutely. a lot. Definitely. And it's uh it that actually brings me to my next question. Um, you know, when it comes to podcasting it's something I recommend to everyone. There's a marketing mm-hmm. guru named Seth Godin who says he's bald-headed, wears glasses. You've heard of him, right? He, he says everyone's right. He says everyone should have a podcast. Podcasting is like the new blogging. I totally mm-hmm. agree with that. Um, So I'm curious, uh, what are you going to create your own podcast? I think you'd be a great host, and I definitely would listen. I appreciate
5: that. I appreciate that. So I will own – I have a couple of – um quasi podcast episodes on my, my website right now. So my website is um, is my name. It's ww.myahrodat com. Um, and I do have um, a couple of usings is the best way that I'll describe it <laughs> that are on that are on sure. my site. I I do believe I do believe that it is valuable for everyone to have one. I'm also crystal clear that to do a podcast well, like what you're doing, to mm. get guests that are interesting, to get you know valuable topics and have them researched well to do the you know the audio editing and a lot of the work that goes on behind the scenes right like i hit my hat to you and all podcast hosts because i get it you don't just get up in the morning and like magically boop <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and even with the tools that exist now that make it easy to be able to create it it still takes a little bit to do that so mm. i've been more of my time doing workshops, training, um, coaching—it's one of those things that's on the list. And I have done some research. I study a few things. Um, being interviewed is actually really helpful for me to even understand the rhythm and the flow of them. Um, yeah. But I, w- I would like to do one. I just know that it takes—it um, takes an investment. It takes resources to really do it and do it even halfway well. So in the interim, I'm just going to step back and, and my head and, and congratulate those of y- those like you who do it and learn lessons. <clears throat>
4: Definitely. And uh, so I totally get where you're coming from. And it doesn't really have to take up too much time. Uh, The Anchor platform kind of makes it very easy and it's free to use. Mm
3: -hmm. Uh,
4: But obviously, you know, some people like to spend more time on it than others, particularly, you know, adding certain things, uh, uh, audio and and editing. So I guess it all depends. But, uh, you know, I think you'd make a great podcaster and it, when you when you do come out with one, let me know because I'll definitely listen. So you'll have at least one one person in your audience. You have to start somewhere. Okay. So at
3: okay. least <laughs> I'll have one interview the up. I love it.
4: You got it. And so I'm uh, I'm curious, uh, what book recommendations do you have for folks?
5: Mm-hmm. So I'm always reading. Um, I, I actually smiled when I thought about this last night. Um, two that I'm reading right now, but there's always a list of books that I can recommend. Um, the big one for entrepreneurs definitely be Profit First by Michael McAuliffe. Um, That model just revolutionized how I dealt with my finances in my business, and totally changes the whole paradigm of how you can actually track your money. I think it's actually even good for um, for employees, even if you're not an entrepreneur, to understand the formulas in it because I think if we as an American populist followed some of the formulas that he gives, I can only imagine like how much wealth that we would all have as a result. Um, Mm -hmm. I was thinking like recently, two books that I've been reading recently have been really fascinating for me from from my craft, from speaking and and coaching and the work that I do. The first one is um, Bishop T.D. Jake's new book, Uh, Don't Drop the Mic. Um, (laughs) O-M-G. A master orator, so you know, knowing that he was going to put a book together on how he speaks and the process he goes through to develop how he speaks. I mean, he had me at hello from that alone. You know, outside of the fact that I love his preaching, but him breaking down, I think, the philosophies about carrying your wisdom from one generation to the next, how he did it to get to where he is, and the that he wants us right now, those of us that are coming up, that are, you know, in our early stages or mid-stages of leadership, what we need to do to make sure that we basically don't drop the mic. Like, the whole thing is, is don't let the baton fall to the floor. It's make sure the next generation is prepared to take over and lead and that they understand, like, a lot of the nuances that, you know, and that's, that is why I love podcasting. We get into some of the nuances that if you, if sometimes if you're, like, you know, on social media, like you're giving this inspirational quote, but I don't know how you got to that place. I don't know the background work that it took.
1: <clears throat> so in
5: the I doing a lot to like explain some of those background experiences and then how it got him to where he is today. I highly recommend it. Um, and then another quick one to throw in, this one came to me last year and I picked it back up again recently, The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. You would enjoy this one as well. Um, So Priya Parker, in a nutshell, she is this master facilitator, and what she's teaching you is how to think about any time that we come together in a group, for school, for a wedding, for an event, like for any event, really. The thought process behind how you gather people together to make sure every experience is meaningful. And I first came across it um, because, you know, of course, when everything went online and virtual, you're like, okay, great. How do you make Zoom interesting, right? Like how do you mm-hmm. how do, you do a class or something in an online environment and create some sense of connection or connectivity? But I think I read it last year, and I'm going back again right now, because I think even in this hybrid state we're in right now, um, I think we're going to need tools like this moving forward, period, right? Don't force people to have to come together for an event just because. What... Mm-hmm. what what could we really gain out of that experience of people gathering, right, and having a dinner party and everyone at the table leaving, knowing everyone as good as the host knows people, right? Mm. Like how often you only know the you only know the person you're talking to right next to you and that's it, you know, and there could be so many other amazing conversations in the room, but you just didn't have the, the, the container to have those in. Um, so I highly recommend that book because I think it really opens up New ways of thinking about events and how we get together and making it more interesting. You know, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, that it just it becomes more interesting to gather with people together.
4: Wow. So I'm definitely going to check those books out. Uh, I'm definitely familiar with uh, T.D. Jakes and I actually saw his book online. Don't drop them. It looked interesting. Uh, and then I'm definitely going to check it out. Profit First. It, it's a good book for uh, not just entrepreneurs but employees as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I love the title. It's all—I'm guessing—profits are important, right? <laughs> so uh, definitely want to check out what these formulas are. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe I saw profit first on Scribd.com, um, which mm-hmm. I'm going to—I'll email you later about. And then Art of Gathering—I'm uh, mm-hmm. going to check that one out too. It, it sounds very good. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to definitely look at that. I, uh, you know, I love to read. And so uh, they say leaders are readers, uh, which is, you know, so critical and so true, I believe. Uh, So definitely. Thank you so much for that. And I guess that leads to my next question. Are you going to write your own book?
5: (laughs) Short answer is yes. Um, I have, I have been working on a couple of themes. I think, my challenge is is I know I probably need to get a couple of books out of me to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and figuring out both from a from my business perspective, which ones make the most sense to my audience to get out first, and what that looks like. So right now I've been working on a, a book. Um, it's a it's a pretty interesting one, but it's kind of like the it's the no BS guide to running your business, and it is it's pulling apart all of these like. Um, inspirational things and ideas and quotes and really drilling down like what do you really need in order to get your business started what do you really need in order to get it to grow so it's a work in progress and at some point i'll have like a couple of months of like bandwidth to sit down and finally write it <laughs> but right. it, i am proud to say i have put pen to paper versus this conversation before which is like yeah someday i'll do it so i'm getting closer
4: okay um definitely well when that book comes out and i know it will uh, please notify me. I definitely would love to buy the first copy. So you have at least one customer and you have to start somewhere. So <laughs> so definitely would be interested. Uh, so thank you so much for that. Uh, and this has been a, an excellent, wonderful, enlightening, uh, and inspiring two-part conversation. Really enjoyed it thoroughly. And, um, and I'm sure the audience did too. Uh, it's an honor to have you at, on the show as a guest. And uh, can you go ahead and describe all the ways people can get in touch with you so they can put a dynamic center of influence in their network?
5: Oh, I appreciate it. Definitely. I would love it. So um, please definitely come to my website, which is located at www.mayaharidat.com. That's M-A-L-L-A-H-A-R-I-D as in David, A as in Adam, C as in Tom.com. On my website, I have a number of blog posts where you can join my newsletter at. And I actually just published a, an interview that I shared um, recently um, via the newsletter. I always get, like, little goodies, that I don't tell everybody else. So you definitely want to be on that newsletter. And then I mm-hmm. also show up in my Facebook group. So I have a Facebook group, Crusher Your Sales. Um, so if you Google it, if actually, if you just go in through Facebook and look for Crusher Sales, You'll find me in there on a regular basis helping people find ways to sell more in their business. And I'd be delighted to connect with them um, on any of the social media platforms. It's easy to find my name on them. So, between my blog and then also via my Facebook group, I think those are the best ways to connect with me.
4: Got it. So, again, the website, com And then they can find you on Facebook, uh, the Facebook group, excuse me, Crush Your Sales is the name of the group. So, one of uh, those two ways. Wonderful. Just so you know, the information you provided will be uh, available in the episode description area so people can see it and read it there so they can okay. use that to get in touch with you will be listed. So again, I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being a guest. And thank you to the audience for listening. Do you want to leave us with uh, any last word or final send off?
5: Definitely. I think the work that you're doing here with this podcast, Jersey, thank you so much for inviting me because this type of conversation, this is a conversation we all need to be having to really take our lives to the next level. And I would recommend for every single podcast episode that your audience listens to, take one piece of advice, right? Like there's, there's probably a, yeah, a thousand others in every episode. But just take one piece of advice and before the end of the day, take action on that advice. And over time, there's no doubt you will start to see the returns come back in your life in an amazing way. So I appreciate you so much for the work you do around this.
4: Thank you so much. I I greatly appreciate that. Uh, This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you again for being a guest, and thank you to the audience. I'm going to see you guys in the next episode. Everyone have a a wonderful and and blessed day. Thank you so much.
5: Take care.
2: Hey, guys, before you go, just real quick, um, if you can just do me a favor, if you can head over uh, to the uh, Apple Podcasts app, And if you're not there already, and if you can leave me a five-star review, that would be great. Um, If you love the show, if you can just go ahead and do that, and that will help uh, to spread the word about the show, and other people can enjoy the show as much as you do. And so if you can do that, that would mean the world to me. And also, if you want to email me uh, with any feedback or any praise or support, Um, please feel free to go ahead and do that. And you can also email me to request to be put on our email list. Uh, So uh, we can uh, send you out emails uh, when new episodes come out. So uh, thank you very much for being a fan of the show. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show. So if you can do that, go out and give us a a five-star review on the Apple podcast uh, app. That would be great. And if you can email us, So we can put you on the email list and email us with feedback and praise. That'd be amazing. Uh, Thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.